Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ag You Pitch, and today we're going to have another discussion on the additional funding for the PPP program and a few other things, and we've got Paul Nieper. How are you doing today, Paul? Doing good. We actually, well, we had sunshine about 10 minutes ago. Now it's back to being partly cloudy, but uh, we had some rain the other day, which for our area we needed, so uh, I know you typically don't want to see too much rain during spring planting, but uh, we got about a quarter inch, and that just sort of took the dust off the ground, and so it definitely helped us out. Yeah, yeah. There's been some scattered showers around. Some areas have been able to keep running, and some some areas haven't. And, and I really didn't start out very good with the introduction. I was going to start out with the introduction as, you know, uh, Clifton Allen Larson, also uh, uh, Iowa farmer and uh, – um, you know, introduce it that way, I guess. No. Yeah, and Washington farmer now, too. And, so, and, yeah. 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 So, you, so you're a big-time farmer. You're farming in Iowa and Washington State. you got a lot long ways to go with the equipment from one state to the next. Yeah, it just means I have twice the chance to lose money. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, from a credibility standpoint, Paul, you know, like I've said in previous podcasts, you know, your knowledge and wisdom on – on the tax side of things and keeping track of what's going on in DC and helping farmers with all this stuff. And then now that you're doing some, some additional farming that you're actually um, doing the same thing we are, I think just adds to your credibility. And so um, that's, that's just a benefit to, to us as, as producers that get, get the opportunity to work with you. So. Yep. Nope. Perfect. So sounds good. Well, hey, let's get started. Um, I want to start out by asking the question on the on this PPP program, Paycheck Protection Program. There, there's been a lot of talk around the idea that, you know, whether or not farmers qualify or not. And you hear different stories from producers that have said, well, you know, this lender or that lender has said producers don't qualify, or or maybe a CPA here and there. What's the real story there? What yeah, it, it, we have both good news and I'm going to say perhaps bad news, but the good news is the Treasury Department came out yesterday and the day before, uh, primarily yesterday, and specifically said that farmers qualify for the PPP loans. So that was good news. It's it's on their frequently asked questions on their website. I think it's question number 33 and 34. Um, so that was good news. And then also they came out yesterday which they should have done within about two days of, of, of creating this program. They should have had this out there, but it's taken them 30 days almost. They actually came out and told everybody exactly how you're supposed to calculate this uh, loan amount for Schedule F farmers, for partnerships, for S corporations, for C corporations. They provide the guidance as to exactly how you're supposed to calculate this. Would have been nice on the first go-around, but certainly for the second go-around that will start funding on Monday, this is helpful for farmers to know exactly what they qualify, the fact that they do qualify. Now, we we still have to be careful because there's two certifications, key certifications you have to do on the application. One is that there's economic uncertainty, and I think everybody could say due to COVID, there's economic uncertainty. The second certification is that you need this money to fund payroll between February 15th and June 30th. Now I'm going to say for dairy farmers, livestock producers, and so on, they could probably pretty easily say, yeah, we need this money because we're not sure what's going on and we're not sure, you know, exactly 
are we still going to be in business? You know, we, we certainly have dairy farmers going out of business right now. Now, for the typical row crop farmer that's involved in spring planting, has adequate funding, has a line of credit, can they sign off on that certification that they really need this money? That, that's the question. I think if you're getting a small loan, SBA and the banks probably are not going to care about that. But if you're getting a 500000 or a million-dollar loan, you better be documenting very accurately why you need this money during that time period. So that's something that uh, we're starting to stress now is the fact that you need to document that now, not after the fact, so to speak. Does that include, like, payment in kind, you know, if they've got producers that, that don't really have a quote-unquote payroll but do have costs of, of you know, know, they didn't technically address that. I mean, I've heard some banks, I had a call with somebody a couple of days ago that their bank would not allow the commodity wage or the payment in kind as part of payroll. Uh, our reading of the CARES Act that that should be included. I don't think the um, – the uh, frequently asked questions also said that if you provide a housing allowance or a car allowance, uh, that that also qualifies as compensation. So that, that even provides more validity that a commodity wage should be qualified. Now, during that forgiveness period, that eight-week period, we're supposed to get guidance on that. Hopefully by Monday, they were supposed to provide it within 30 days of the law being signed. And that 30-day period ends on Sunday, tomorrow. We're supposed to get guidance on this hopefully by Monday. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but it should come pretty soon. That will give us a better idea whether commodity wages will qualify for forgiveness. Um, actually, probably what we should do, whether it's myself or somebody else, we probably should shoot off a, an email to the Treasury Department saying, hey, does commodity wages qualify? And they'll put that in their Q&A. Right. <clears throat> that would be That'd be good to see. What, um, as far as those who have already applied and received funding, I know we've got a number of clients that have been in that boat. Um, and now that some of the guidance has changed, is there like a grandfather clause or something that says that, okay, well, they did it under those rules and now the new ones are doing it under different rules. How is that going to be? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a mess. Um, there is a provision that says, let's say that you finally determine, I probably really didn't qualify for this loan. What the SBA said is if you pay it back by May 7th, so that's about two weeks from now, uh, that we're automatically going to allow you to uh, get out of jail free, so to speak. Uh, you know, there's not going to be any, any uh, pushback by SBA if you pay the loan back by May 7th. You'll probably still have some interest accrual, uh, but you know, as far as you got an application under the old rules, and now they've changed the rules. You're not going to have to. If you got your loan, you don't have to go back and change your application or anything. You're still under the old rules. But again, those old rules, you know, the economic uncertainty was one test. The other test was, did you need this money? in order to fund your operations between February 15th and June 30th. That's, that's the key requirement. So I think a lot of people uh, viewed this as a way to get free money with no strings attached. Uh, well, it's not necessarily free money, and there are strings attached. And the problem with the strings are we're finding out the strings after the fact. So that's, that's the rub on this is 
uh, what everybody assumed at the beginning is, is sounding like maybe is no longer true. Also on the forgiveness side, it sounds like uh, we're hearing definite uh, strong hints, and we'll know this hopefully this week, that you have to spend at least 75% of those funds during that eight-week period on payroll costs. If you don't spend at least 75% on payroll costs, 100% of the loan is not forgiven. And now for our farmers, typically they would be spending it on payroll costs, but if you're self-employed, uh, you're gonna say, hey, I have no payroll. I'm a farmer, I don't have any payroll. How is that gonna help me? Well, according to the FAQ that came out about two weeks ago, it sounds like 75% of your loan will be forgiven you're still on the hawk for the other 25%, no matter what you spend it on. So that, that's probably good news for a Schedule F farmer, a Schedule C taxpayer. Uh, but for other farmers that have a lot of payroll and they typically don't spend at least 75% on payroll during that time period, uh, probably 100% of the loan is still gonna be due. Now it's 1% due in two years, but that probably wasn't what they were signing up for. So that's something that hopefully this week we get some clarity on. Is there any additional guidance besides that? You know, it leads me to the question back a little bit to the um, those who were approved and funded earlier on. Let's say that they don't have a line of credit. They don't have any money borrowed and they're making payroll but they're using it for payroll. Is that a questionable? I mean, there's going to be a ton of questions, isn't there? Yeah, uh, I think we need the guidance this week to really know. If we get good guidance this week, we may be, you know, there may be certain farmers, certain other taxpayers that may say, hey, we better just pay this back by May 7th just so that we're not in trouble. Uh, now, I may be reading too much into what we're hearing, but this is coming from very credible sources. Uh, so I, I just want to let everybody know that just because you got a loan and you're thinking this is free money and you have the economic wherewithal to provide for payroll, you got cash in the bank, you don't have any debt, yeah, this may not be a loan that you necessarily want to keep. You may want to pay it back before May 7th. On the other hand, if the grower's got a pretty large line of credit and yeah. – yeah, then, then it's more warranted or obviously has some people that, you know, like in our farm operation and I, you know, as a specific example, we've got a couple of our, my brother-in-law, you know, has preconditions and hasn't been at the farm as much, hardly yep. at all. But yep. the other yep. that wasn't able to come to the farm. I mean, those are legit reasons. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you got your vegetable growers. I mean, they're having to plow under their crops, but they still want right. to make sure they have their people hired. You know, they're they're a perfect candidate for PPP loan. The dairy guys, the livestock guys that are going, what is going on? Are we ever going to make any money here? But we want to keep our employees employed. Right. Um, you know, those those are the ones that are slam dunk, in my opinion. It's the row crop farmers like in our area. We got wheat growers. They're in the middle of spring planting either spring wheat or some legumes. Uh, their pricing has actually come up because of COVID. Now, once everybody has done stocking, you know, flour and so on, is, is pricing going to start dropping down? Don't know. Um, so those those have a little bit more of an issue with this. Yeah, and it's kind of that way. Like I said, the livestock, you've got, 
pork producers that are aborting sows and, and in some areas, unfortunately, having to euthanize some pigs and do some yep. things, it's gonna, that's going to really limit the amount of labor that's going to be needed for a period of time when you don't have fairing houses full and you don't have nurseries. Yep. and it's but, gonna, but you still want – but you likely would rather, if you have this loan, you'd rather keep the employee – on Correct. because you right. don't want to have them go on unemployment, then you're not going to get the employee back. <laughs> right. And and part of the issue right now for a lot of those farm uh, employers out there, unemployment pays a lot more than the farm does. Unemployment right now is equivalent of about 24 bucks an hour. You know, there's not a lot of farm labor, typical farm labor, earning $24 an hour. Plus, right. on unemployment, you don't have to do any work. You know, so right. that's an issue that we're going to have. And that could become very acute for farm farmers across the U.S. Yeah. Um, so you've kind of covered the, the loan forgiveness portion and the guidance to this point, and we'll obviously probably have to follow up with additional conversation as this becomes more and more clear as time goes on. And so it's kind of a moving target. Um, let me ask you, though, on the farm, the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that, and, and is there any application of that to farmers? Yeah. So that was a loan that was also brought back because, brought about because of the CARES Act. But specifically at that time, the SBA had indicated that ag or farms didn't qualify. Now the the funding of the additional funding of the PPP program, part of that provision, specifically stated in the new law that farms qualify for the EIDL. Now, the EIDL is a true loan. Uh, none of it is forgiven other than technically you can have up to $10,000 of it forgiven, but it's based on $1,000 per employee. Uh, so I'm going to say that it's really just a true loan. And you have to provide information to the SBA. It's directly through the SBA. You have to prove your economic injury, so that's the title, economic injury. So if you're a dairy farmer, you can prove economic injury. If you're a livestock, a hog producer, a produce grower, you can prove economic injury, but you're going to have to document that and prove what the amount is, and then that loan goes through the process with the SBA, and that can take a month. It can take two months. I've dealt with SBA loans for some of my clients. It can be a painful process. Plus, this is a 3.75% interest rate, but the term is very favorable. It could be up to, you know, a long term. It can be 10, 20, 30 years, uh, typically not going to be 30 years for operations, but, you know, it could be a five- to seven-year loan, I would guess. Um, but, you know, that, that's a true loan. It's not forgiveness. It's just designed to get you through uh, what, what you need. So that's something that I, I think a lot of the farmers – that took out the the PPP loan may say, hey, really what we should be doing is, is doing a, a an EIDL because of our injury to us. Now, a real crop farmer with prices going down, you know, crop insurance likely for a lot of those farmers is going to kick in and spare them that, quote, injury. But on the livestock side, a lot of the livestock operators don't have quote, crop insurance, you know, dairy might have the dairy margin program, you know, but uh, certainly the hog side and, and the cattle side and some of the other livestock uh, producers don't have that safety net. So if you're a, 
if you're a dairy operation that qualified for the PPP, the first go around or, or any operation for that matter, I guess, and feel like you have, you qualify for the economic injury disaster loan, can you do both? Yes, you can do both. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and really the IDL is more for that long term. Remember the PPP was designed to keep employment through June 30th. The IDL is, is allowing, uh, you know, more of a long-term uh, horizon. Hey, this, this COVID is going to affect us for the next six to nine months. We need some additional capital to get us through that nine-month period, not through June 30th. Okay. Um, we're going to have one other little topic for you here at the end, but before I go to that, is there any questions or anything I haven't asked you about as far as this new round of funding that, that comes under this PPP? I think we've covered it. I, I think you're right. I think once we get the loan forgiveness details from the SBA or from Treasury, we'll certainly have another call. Uh, but I think we've covered everything for now. Okay. Last question, um, and I know you've done some research on this, is the PLC um, specifically for corn um, looking like, or there's some, been some discussion about whether or not we might see a payment on PLC for corn for the 2019 crop. Obviously, right. it looks like that that could be a really viable option for the 2020 crop. But um, talk a little bit about what what you've seen there. Yeah. So on the 19 crop, remember the marketing year started September 1, so it goes from September 1 through August 31st of 2020. We've already sold, according to USDA, we've already sold 60% of the corn crop, approximately. And right now, if you looked at Ag Manager, which is uh, done by Kansas State University, they updated monthly. I just looked at the, the latest report yesterday. Right now, they're estimating that the MYA price for corn will be 371 for the 19 crop. The reference price is 370 so right now, there is absolutely no PLC payment on corn. Now... They're projecting that the average corn price for like April, May, June, July, August will be in that 340, 350, 330 range. If we get a, a drop down into that 310 to 320 range, I updated the MYA price based on around a 320 price, and we're looking at about a 14 cent payment per bushel. So if you got 200 uh, bushel proven yield, you know, 200 times 14 cents is $28. It's not going to be 80 or $90, but it could be, you know, 20 or 30 or $40. Now, if corn really drops through the floor and we're into that, you know, high twos, then yes, it would be a bigger payment. But I, I don't think corn's going to drop that low, but I'm not an expert on that. But it would have to drop probably in that $3 or lower range before we ever get a $50 an acre payment. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And again, I think that's a topic we'll stay in touch with you on as that develops as well, because that's that's something that a lot of the you know with the, all the issues with ethanol and things and the the volatility and the the pressure on on the corn market right now is probably something we should keep an eye on. Yeah, and we got to remember a lot of the ethanol production goes out the back end in the form of DDGs, but with hog numbers going down and cattle numbers, you know, right now cattle producers are trying not to fatten their cattle because they're too fat to begin with. So, you know, they're right. probably cutting back the rations. That's going to cut back the need for DDGs. Uh, now China is a wild card. You know, we hear rumors that 
because of these low prices, they really want to stockpile, you know, corn and beans and wheat and probably DDGs. So that could help. But again, for us to get a more than $50 an acre payment for the typical Midwest corn grower, we're going to need uh, corn prices below $3. And I don't think we really want prices below $3 just to get a $50 an acre, um, you know, corn PLC payment. Yeah, at least not for an extended period of time. No, sure. no, no. Maybe we want it below $3 in the month of October when we have discovery for crop yeah. insurance payments, but that's about the only time we want it. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of things I think producers are going to need to watch real carefully during this growing season as to additional expenditures on the crop and, and whether or not it makes sense based on you know, what the value of the crop is and where the insurance level is at. Yeah. And those are all yeah. things we'll, we'll kind of watch and talk about as we go forward, too. Yeah, as long as you still meet what I call the prudent man rule. You just can't put nothing on. You know, then, exactly. Then they, yeah, you still got to try to grow crops. So. Yeah, exactly. But that's within reason. Yep, you bet. Okay. Anything else I didn't ask on this call before I we think, wrap it up? I think we covered quite a bit. Uh uh, and believe me, I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time that we have a call on this subject. <laughs> yeah, this is a moving target. We just want to make sure we get good information and good perspective out to people. And if they have uh, questions and we want to reach out to you again, can you can you rattle off how people can get a hold of you if they have a specific question? Yeah, there's about uh, three ways. First, I would definitely recommend them to sign up for the blog, you know, farmcpatoday.com. I, I also posted on AgWeb, which is the Farm Journal website. But if you sign up directly on, on the blog, every time we do a blog post, it'll come uh, to your email. And I will be doing a blog post for sure tomorrow afternoon that will come out Monday morning. Uh, secondly, my email is paul.neifer, so N-E-I-F-F as in Frank, E-R, at claconnect.com. And then they can also reach out to me via a cell phone, which is 509-961-9739, or my direct line at, at work, which is 509-823-2920. Awesome. Hey, Paul, thanks a lot for the conversation today, and um, we'll stay in touch, and we'll keep things updated as, as things develop. Uh, yeah, and I, hopefully we can start traveling again, because i got to get back there and and, and push some dirt around. Yeah, you're going to get your crop planted. You better you better get yeah. back there. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well, thanks, thanks a lot, Chris. Paul. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. And Bye -bye. Thanks everybody for listening, and we we appreciate it. And if you have any questions, like I said, give Paul a call or give myself a ring, and um, and we'll try to talk you through some things and think through stuff. And again, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Agri Pitch. <laughs>